Thanks, Hello, Nancy. Everyone. Oh, we're recording. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca S. Ezen Fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, June 8, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 63, the first paragraph. We will be reading and commenting on that one paragraph only, which begins with, when we sincerely took a position, and ends with, we were reborn. Today's readers are Ginger C., Marge E., Janice P.M., Martha Z., and Christoph L. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, June 7, 2021, are 17,095. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that's 17095. And 17,096. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that's 17095. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ginger C. to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Ginger C., recovering in Colorado. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, 
made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Ginger C. I will now ask Marge E. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Thank you so much. This is Marge E. Recovered but Not Cured from Massachusetts. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every group, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Marge E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request 
that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book and we will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph only on page 63, when we sincerely took such a position through, we were reborn. I will now ask Janice PM to go ahead and read that for us. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, this is Janice PM. I am a recovered compulsive overeater and I'm from Massachusetts, <clears throat> pardon me. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we can contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious, conscious of his presence and began to lose our fear today, tomorrow, or hereafter, we were reborn. Well, this is sometimes confusing to the newcomer thinking that these are all promises that happens when we take step three. Well, this is written in hindsight now. So what we, what we have to remember here, these are the promises of step three, but they don't occur in step three until we make the decision to change our position of being so self-centered to God-centered, and it's just a decision. There's nothing else in this third step. The decision to do what? You know, if I have pain in my teeth, I have to make a decision. Do I go to the dentist or do I suffer some more? Well, in order to, you know, get rid of the pain for me, I have to take the action to go to the dentist so he can diagnose what's going on. Not me, which, of course, I used to do. Um, and of course my husband used to say, what uh, dental school did you go to? And he, you know, ha, ha, ha. And, um, but you see, until I get rid, until I make that decision, until I make up my mind, that's what decision makes, to make up my own mind that I'm going to, uh, sincerely, honestly take that position. What's the position? The position is to change from self-centeredness, that I'm not the center of the universe, that, um, you know, I'm going to start to be God-centered. But how do we do this? This action that we take after the decision is steps four through nine. So they're telling us here that all, this, all these things are, are um, 
promises that's going to happen when we make the decision to take the action to do the following steps, all the steps four through nine, and then we will be reborn, and then we will be transformed in our thinking and our behaviors. Um, it's going to be a new position that we're going to be in. We're going to be selfless and not selfish because we're going to be working for a higher power as we understand him to be. And then we will be reborn, we will be transformed, we will think different, we will behave different, but a decision has to take some action after the decision. And because I am convinced of A, B, and C on page 60, I know that I can't do this myself. I have to make the decision, and this is what they're talking about, that in the past, this is what they did. And this is what they got. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice P.N. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you haven't shared on a vision for you on Friday or Monday and would like to share, on the first paragraph on page 63, when we sincerely took a position through We Were Reborn, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Larry K. Loretta A. Katie G. from Boston. Reggie O. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait, please don't say any more. Let me just get these. Larry K, Loretta, I think it was Katie G. Um, did you get Nancy P? Nancy P. And who did I miss? I know there were a couple of Barbara E. Oh, yeah, Barbara E, right. And wasn't there somebody before Barbara E? Deborah S. Debora W. Debora S. And who, um, W? Betty, Betty W. Betty, okay, okay. All right, was someone else trying to get on that didn't? Okay, great, because I do have seven names here. So let's go with these. Larry K, Loretta, I think it's H, but I'm not sure. Katie G, Nancy P, Barbara E, Deborah S, and Betty W. Larry K, go right ahead. Hey, Rebecca, good morning, and thanks for your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, as I read this paragraph, I was thinking about the, uh, the culmination of, of this God consciousness that will, will happen, as, as Janice so beautifully said, you know, as we complete the, the process, right, for a lifetime, of course. And the last sentence, um, you know, short sentence, we were reborn. Um, I remember reading a, a magazine article a few years ago about the restoration, the rebirth, if you will, of the Sistine Chapel in Rome. And um, I think it was completed like in 1999, but they, for about 15 or so years, they were, you know, Michelangelo, all that stuff, and many other artists. And anyways, I had a chance to, to visit Italy and somewhere along those, that time. And, um, and then I saw the parallels because in OA, having kind of a front row seat as we do to see some of the most miraculous human restorations 
you know, perhaps even our own, I couldn't help but see those parallels with the rebirth of the Sistine Chapel. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, when I think about these paintings, beyond just the exposure to the elements, you know, that caused the decay, they needed to remove layers of grime and soot that were deposited because, you know, they burnt these, these wax candles over 500 years, right? And, and so just like Michelangelo's paintings, the original beauty that, that, that sort of permeated the core of you and I became obscured as well. You know, it became concealed and eventually we became unrecognizable. And now an interesting thing happened with the restoration of the Sistine Chapel. You know, these, these art lovers and others and people like me that don't even know much about art, I was able to see colors and details that had not been seen for centuries, right? Now they were revealed. And, you know, and so I ask, I ask you, what about you? Because I'd suggest to you that in God's eyes, not even the least of Michelangelo's frescoes, right, are more worthy of repair than you. Because, you know, after all, the, a painting was the child of a painter. You are the child of a living creator. Let's, you know, let me not miss the distinction, right? And so through God's renovations, your rebirth is not only possible, but it's assured. And it's going to take my cooperation, though. There has to be a willingness to act. Because with defiance, I'm like a hamster on a wheel. I'm running in circles, but I am making no progress. And when I'm on that wheel, you know, for me, it's, is it any wonder that step two is trouble, troubling for me? Because all I'm coming to believe in is this wheel leads to nowhere. <laughs> I need to get off that wheel. And when I look around, I observe people like you, these living, breathing miracles of this, like, revitalized change, and it's extraordinary. You know, and through God's renovations, your rebirth is happening. And when I look around, I see the beauty of, you know, I don't care about your, uh, just wrapping up, Rebecca, I don't care about your perfect food plan, the beauty of your perfect food plan. Rather, I care about the beauty of our imperfect spiritual life plan. <laughs> because without the latter, we lose the former. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Larry Kay. Loretta and then Katie G. Loretta, go ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Loretta H. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. With God's grace, I'm recovered today. And everyone on this line who saves my life every morning with your presence and your um, joy of being here. Uh, when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. And that to me is a promise, a promise that hopefully my attitude and my, and a position is just change of attitude, that my resistance to um, all the things that I thought I should do comes to God, corrective directive. And I love the idea of being reborn because um, the St. Francis prayer talks about that. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. And that's letting go of self, letting dying of self, because that's where my problems lie, as um, the first year spoke about. You know, I, I know I'm an 
a compulsive operator. I definitely know that. I know for today I have an insane mind and that only, only something bigger than not myself must restore me to sanity. I have surrendered. And I always um, talk about um, surrender, serenity. I Every morning when I text people, I talk, I've got to surrender so that I can have serenity because I don't know how to do life. And um, this gives me the opportunity to start to look at my life. And on 158, um, after, and I, I love this, when we found God, we found ourselves. And that's what I feel the steps have done for me. You know, I finally have found out who Loretta needs to be, who Loretta really is. And with that, I get all the gifts of um, the special edition, those ideal relationships that were shared on, on Sunday. I get to deliver those into this day. And, but it's only by the structured steps can I get there. And I work every step. Um, I read uh, 83 through 88, and that's basically how I have to do my day every day is there's a long period of reconstruction. I must take the lead. And this is what these steps do for me. And this is what God does for me because he just has the best plan. And I don't know what it is. And even in the pain, he knows what he's doing and he gets me to where I need to be. So in finding God, I find myself. And that is an attitude change that is is amazing. It's amazing grace for a rich like me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rebecca, and everybody. Have a beautiful, blessed, surrendered day in serenity. Thanks, Loretta H. Katie G., followed by Nancy P. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. Um, you know, my first job out of college my employer, and an employer is someone who makes use of somebody or something. Uh, I remember about a month into my new job, <clears throat> I went in to my, my boss, and I said, so what's it going to take for me to get promoted? This is one month in. I had just graduated from college. And I share this story because that's who I am before I am reborn, before step 12. I am filled with plans and designs. And if God is my employer, then my schemes, my designs, my program of action need to go out the window. I have to tell you, I've been in the rooms for 16 years, and until I was willing to say, help me, tell me what to do, and not call a sponsor and say, hey, how do you sponsor? Tell me your plans, Tell me, like interview them, they are my, I, I need an employer, right? Like I know no human power, but like I have to surrender. And so the position that we're talking about is losing my fear. I work for you. You tell me what to do. This is a blank slate. And I don't know about you, but I spent my entire life fighting fighting to think, I need to fit in. I need you to love me. I need to do this. I got into a career my first time around 
based on fear. I'm too stupid to do a grad degree. I'm too stupid to, to find a man. I need to find a good paying job. And you want to know how many times I was fired from that job? Four. Same job title, four different times. Because I don't get to be a manager anymore. And if you want to know how you're playing God, look at how you're judging people, right? Like if I'm judging my husband, I'm saying, I know what's better. I'm God. I made you. I know what's better. And so this new footing, I literally need to be ripped from the garden that I was originally planted in. That is my root, selfishness, self-centeredness. Let me tell you, boss. Let me tell you how I'm going to get ahead. Let me tell you how I'm going to get what I need. And I'll tell you what, the secret is that I'm just like, okay, God, I'm not going to eat or drink today, God willing. You do the rest. You show me. How can I best serve thee? Thy will not might be done. I cannot believe that I'm someone who takes more pleasure today in serving others than in serving myself. And I am not cured. Being recovered is not cured. Life is still front and center, and I still want to employ, right? But then I just get out of the way. I relax. I take it easy. I don't struggle. I am so excited about this crisis of step three so we can get an in and uncover, discover, and discard what God really wants us to be. And with that, I pass. Thanks, JDG. Nancy P. followed by Barbara E. Hi, can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Nancy P. Oh, thank you so much. I've been having trouble. Um, whatever. So here I am, Nancy P., uh, recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. This is like the only paragraph that you ever need to read to get recovered, I think. And um, starting with when we sincerely took such a position. What's the position? The position is surrender for me. And surrender is like the gift that keeps on giving. Surrender itself is what beat me into a state of reasonableness, finally. You know, surrender is what I get when I stop everything and um, think maybe it could work for me. <clears throat> and, you know, this paragraph are the promise of, promises of the entire step 12, 12 steps. And, you know, we get what we need if, promise, consequence, or threat, we keep close and perform his work well. You can't do one or the other. You have to do both. And in doing that, you know, surrendering allowed me to do that, to, to just stay close to what I need and, um, and do whatever I was told by, you know, my sponsor and, and continue to learn and do, do, you know, whatever I can to help other people. And when I become less, when I contribute more to life, I become less, less self-centered because that is my problem. My problem is not food. My problem is me. And, um, you know, surrender, surrender, surrender. It is the key to all of my problems. And luckily for me, it's the, again, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I, you know, one of my sponsors said, is your life filled with rainbows and unicorns? And I said, absolutely not. Nobody ever does what I say and nobody cares what I think. And I had yet another opportunity yesterday, two times to surrender. And um, it was unpleasant or it was uncomfortable, I should say. And, you know, as we became conscious, nature abhors a vacuum. Once I get rid of self, if I don't do this work, then it rushes back in. And, um, you know, I used to live in a space of I was petrified, terrified, horribly afraid, direly scared. And the best I ever got was that I, that I felt like I had forgot something important. That was like as calm as I ever got. And, you know, and lately in my 11-step inventories, do we, were we afraid? The answer is no. 
I would say for me, that's not remarkable. It's miraculous. And, you know, I, I'm not afraid anymore uh, on a daily basis because I do this work every day. And it says we were reborn. And I remember when my son was born, I said to my husband, I said, geez, all he does is sleep. He was actually a dream baby, two, two hour naps a day and 12 hours at night. I mean, really. And my husband said to me, he looked, you know, at our sleeping baby and he said, being born is hard work. And that's exactly what it was, is hard work. But the only hard part about it, the only hard part was the surrender. And surrender acts like a wrecking ball for self. And um, yeah, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Barbara E. followed by Devorah F. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that first share was absolutely everything tied up in a nutshell. But I will uh, go on and add my two cents worth for whatever it is. Well, we're getting to step three promises. And we have made a, we will be making a life-changing decision to turn our will and our life over to God. And if I don't yet truly believe it, to act as if, and eventually as I launch out on a course of vigorous action with my guide and the fellowship, I tell you I eventually did truly come to believe, but I couldn't keep stalling just because I wasn't quite there yet but I had to move on to do the work indicated in steps four through nine to remove my grosser handicaps and swallow some big chunks of truth about myself. I had to be honest and open and willing and humble and ready to discover my true self and be of service to come out into the sunlight. If I'm smashed up in a car accident and dying, does the medical team saving my life ask me to write about the brand of car, the condition of the road, the weather at the time of the accident, or any other circumstances? No, they rush me into the emergency room and start life-saving procedures ASAP quickly to disclose and remediate the problem, in my case, my grosser handicaps. Well, why would I want to drag this out over a long period of time to finally understand that my misery was of my own making? God didn't cause it. He, she, it understands it and will be willing to walk the, through the turbulent seas and the calm seas. And to paraphrase what I read on page 133, as, as it relates to what we, we are going to be reading, we're now convinced that a spiritual mold of living is a powerful mode of one. We can be miracles and see and feel remarkable transformations and relief from suffering from a serious physical life-threatening soul sickness. So we give first aid to whoever needs it and place what we have at his disposal. And that's doing service. So my understanding is that yes, we must move on through the steps quickly and come to the decision that I need to, ha to find a higher power personal to me. And in the step three prayer, which we'll come to, it says it all. God is not trying to be me, and I'm no longer trying to Fine. play God. 
Thank you, I'll just finish. To have a new director and accept I'm a minor player. And I don't even know the script. I only know the director does. And if he says exit left, I do it willingly and humbly and finally incorporate it into my heart. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Devorah S. is next and then Betty W., but for those of you who got on late, I thought I would just let you know we're on page 63, the first paragraph, when we sincerely took a position through We Were Reborn. Devorah S. Hey, good morning. Thank you, Rebecca, and everyone on this line that makes this meeting possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. So what is this position, as it was previously, you know, noted on the paragraph before, yesterday, that we had to quit playing God, it didn't work. That's the position. I had to put my will aside and, and, and turn my life and my will over to God and to let God take care of me and not manage everyone else's life. And I've been coming to this program for that. I didn't even know I was doing that when I came in 21 years ago. I had no idea I was managing anyone else's life. All I knew is that I couldn't stop eating, um, and I was close to 300 pounds, and I had no idea how to stop. And then coming into this program and learning that, you know, the food was was what I did because I had so many human problems going on, so many emotions that was building up, but I used the food to, to, to relieve me of those emotions. And, you know, instead of turning to God, I didn't know, even, even though I had a God in my life, I didn't even know that I could use God to help me with this food issue. And what a relief today, because today, God is, yes, God is there for me, and I turn my life and my will over to my God every single day, and it has to be done multiple times a day. It's not just a one-time thing. You know, throughout the day, I take a pause and I got to re- reunite myself with, with, with my higher power. And this is something that I work on each day. You know, what, what I did yesterday is not going to work for me today. Every day I have to, you know, get reconnected and, and, um, and reminded that I'm not running the show. But what happens when I do? What happens when I do is that, you know, we begin to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, the after. We're reborn. We're, we get to we get to think of other people. We're not so self-absorbed. We get to do things that that I never thought I was capable of. I get to press star one on this line because I'm not thinking of, whoa, how can I do that? I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough, blah, 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 blah. All those things I get to do, I get to show up today because I'm trusting and relying on my higher power and I'm letting God take me and do with me as he will. And I'm just so grateful for this opportunity each day, every minute, every, every step that I take, that I can walk hand in hand with God. And I need to do this each day. If I forget, you know, I feel it. I feel it. And that's why I always have to stay connected, you know, through this program, through fellowship, through the literature, through, through you, the meetings, you know, because... I have a disease that's very cunning, baffling, and powerful, and the only solution is surrender and being close to the fellowship and with God, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah S. 
Betty W., and then we'll take more names. Hi, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Loud can you hear clear. me? Oh, oh great. Thank you so much. Um, hi, I'm Betty W. from Central New York. Uh, good morning, friends, and thank you so much, Rebecca, for your service and leading the meeting and recognizing me. I love this paragraph and the one that was read yesterday are two of my favorite paragraphs uh, in the big book um, because for me they give me a blueprint about who my higher power is, whom I call God. And I always believed in God, but I was missing something really important because I didn't believe that I could turn over my whole life to God. I thought I could only turn over certain things, but I couldn't ask him for anything for myself. And and because of that, and because of my limited uh, understanding, I didn't know who God really was. And so these two paragraphs tell me who God is. And uh, I'm just going to refer to the other one briefly, because I think it leads into my thoughts about this one, and I hope you don't mind. I mean, you know, God is the director, which means for me that he controls and governs my life. And he's the principal. He's listed in order of importance. He's so much more important than I am. It's not that I'm the center of the universe anymore, and it's not that my ego is controlling things, even though sometimes I revert to that and have to really pray and remind myself and, and if necessary, make an apology or an amends to my higher power. And he's my father. He's somebody who loves me unconditionally and uh, and will direct me each day and, and, and give me the right and wrong of life. And then my employer, he provides what I need. He gives me a job and tells me what to do today. What, what, how can I be a service to him? And not what I need today necessarily, but I can share that with him. And he'll tell me what I need to do. And utmost, before everything else, is maintaining my abstinence with his power, not mine. He empowers me with his power to be abstinent each and every day if I follow his will, which means working my program, steps 1 through 12, every day. Uh, And before this, I couldn't solve life's problems. I could see everyone else solving life's problems, but I didn't have a clue because I really didn't know how to do life with God in charge. Uh, food was always there to comfort me, uh, and and I thought reduce the fear. It didn't reduce the fear; it just numbed me out and kept me on a, a plane of insanity. So now I have a blueprint for God, and. Um, Uh, And I understand that I have a subordinate position. I am no longer the fixer, and I no longer need to rely on self-reliance. And so thank you for letting me share, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Betty W. Okay, if you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 63 when we sincerely took a position for we were reborn, please press star once and mute for Christine and Mark Initial. Christina Rachel J. with Christina J. That's the only one I heard. Rachel K. Ginger C. Rachel K. I heard. 
Ross M. Uh, I heard Russ M. and Melissa C. I'm sure I missed many of you, but I'm, I've got all the names we can handle. I'm so sorry, but we only had room for five and maybe not even the five. So um, we, well, who I got was Christina J., Rachel K., Ginger C., Russ M., and Melissa C. Christina J., go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. Christina Jay from the state of Washington today. Because of this program and where I am in my recovery, I am surrendering my brother, my little brother, who is at the brink of suicide today. I prayed. I did two-way prayer. I called out to fellows for prayer. And uh, I got the message that we have him. We've got him. He's not alone. It's all right. Go in peace. So I was able to sleep all night. I helped helped raise my brother. He's 10 years younger than me. But because of this program, because I have God as an employer, because I know he's powerful, and no matter what happens, it's for the good of my little brother's higher um, life, his higher being, it's for his higher good, whatever happens, that I can release him, just like I released my fear about my career, um, my fear that I would never be good enough, my fear that I would never do what I came to do in life, my self-centered fears about getting mine, and my self-centered fear about trying to save my brother, because I can't save him. Even if I went there and tried to talk to him, I can't save him because if it's preordained that he does what he's going to do or not do, whatever, he's, he's going to go there, and that's going to be it. So, But, you know, I do believe today that I can hold on for the miracle, just like I held on for the miracle for my second husband who died of cancer, um, who chose to go home, and I had to surrender that. But... Because of this program and this step, I've surrendered my life and my will to God because um, he takes away my difficulties day by day. He gives me the willingness to be of service to others through what I've gone through, that I can hold compassion and understanding and love uh, when others call me that are going through similar things and that I can testify that I don't have to lay it in bed at night and wring my hands and my heart Sure, I can have compassion, and I can love him and pray for him, but I have to surrender everyone that comes in my life that's in pain. And I have to surrender my own pain and realize that it's for my molding. It's the fire that my soul needs to get closer to God. Because without the pain of this addiction, I never would have gone to God. I would have just kept God out there inquiring every so often, Hey, God, you know, you're going to help me with my career. I know you want me to do this. Uh, so why aren't, you do, why aren't you opening the door, you know? Now I don't do that. It's a day-by-day thing. I can't forecast into the future what's going to happen. If I stay close to him today, as it says, and performed his work well, what is his work today? I don't know. I inquire. I know I have to go to work. I know I have to make abstinent meals. I know I have to be of service to others. Fine. So... Thank God. We are so lucky. We are so lucky to have this. It gives us a place to stand when tragedy comes. 
Love you all. God bless you all. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. Rachel K., followed by Ginger C. Hi, this is Rachel K., excuse me, uh, compulsive overeater from San Francisco, California. Um, This is one of my favorite paragraphs in the big book, and because I'm so glad that um, I have a new employer. I get confused on who should be my boss. Um, is it me? No, I'm, I'm a lousy boss. I am completely inept at running my own life. Um, and um, even though I've been recovered for now several years, I still try to make other people my boss, um, for example, my 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 boss boss at my job, you know, the whole people pleasing thing, which I realize isn't about pleasing them. It's about pleasing me. You know, how can I get you to like me so I won't be uncomfortable? I'm in a new job and, you know, almost as much as a food, I love that that approval, that those girls, those, you know, uh, emotional pats on the head. Um, you know, they're like Snickers bars to me. And um, I have to remember that, no, this guy is not my employer with a capital E. Um, and it says, you know, when we sincerely took such a position, I would say even even insincerely, you know, <laughs> when I first took step three, I was like, well, what does that mean? What exactly do you mean turning your will in your life? You know, I mean, of course, it's going on and doing 4 through 12 and the rest of the steps. But and the way I liken it is I can read um, like the greatest books ever written on how to ride a bicycle. Um, You know, I could read volumes and volumes on how you ride a bicycle. And until I get on a bicycle and start pedaling and see, oh, okay. Now I get it. Then I'm not going to have any idea. Um, so I've just got to, you know, if that means acting as if, it just means, you know, just just try. You know, rather than looking at what I want, what would God have me be? What would God have me do? And just one more thing I want to add about, you know, staying close to him and performing his works well. I had a sponsee who had a sponsor. You know, this is, this is one of the reasons why I sponsor, because I hear much better things from my sponsees and my sponsees' sponsees than come out of my mouth, said, you know, I need to be checking in with God at least as often as I check my cell phone. And I love that. I love that. You know, throughout the day, how many times do I look at this thing, you know, this cell phone? Well, I need to be checking in with my higher power at least as often as I am checking in with this piece of electronic equipment. Um, That means you know, constantly throughout the day because I have the short-term memory loss of the addict. I forget, oh, yeah, God. Oh, yeah, I'm not running the show. Oh, yeah, it's not about me. Less Rachel, more God, my favorite four-word prayer. So anyway, um, thanks for letting me share. And this is Rachel Kay from California, and I pass. Thank you, Rachel Kay. Ginger C., followed by Russ M., Thank you for your service, Rebecca. This is Ginger C. Recovering in Colorado. And Rachel K., I love your message. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, you know, that was um, where I was headed. I was seeking a lot of attention and affection from other gods, um, trying to deal with this inner 
place of I don't matter and um, spiritual pride, you know, and, and I'm so grateful for this relapse today. I cannot believe all the lessons that God is allowing me because God saw how off track I was going and where I was headed and to come back home and to be getting more quiet and to just go within because it's always an inside job. Um, but boy, it feels good to get attention and to speak and to be heard. And, um, and it's just not where it lies. So I love this, you know, this sentence um, the if and the warning, you know, um, he provided what we needed. And what do I need? I need power. And that if warning, and that's a huge warning. And again, I'm still shocked that I ate again. I never thought I would eat after Virginia Beach. But, you know, there's a bottom below, the bottom you know. And I hope it scares some of you because I really, again, never thought this would be part of my story. And I'm also so grateful for it because this pain of this relapse, it's not about being fat and overweight. The greatest pain is the heaviness in my heart and my soul from this disconnect, from this loving grace of a God, because the feeling of the conscious contact went away. And I know, just like you know, that God is down deep within every one of us and that I initially do walk away. But it's not like you can just snap your finger and get that feeling back. And the good news is that you get busy, you put the food down and you get back into the work and it slowly comes back. But again, I am so grateful for this relapse. Our son has six months, a little bit over in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I used to be like, He'd come to me in pain in those early days and be, mom, this is really hard. And I'd be like, oh, isn't AA great? All these new friends, this new connection, you know, your sponsor, all these wonderful elements. No, it's painful. And now I can meet that new person, that person that's still struggling, that wishes they could only put down the fork. Don't you think if it were that easy, there would be that many more, you know, getting sobriety and Overeaters Anonymous? But again, meet them where they're at. Love them for who they are. See them. I'm so sorry you're hurting. Empathize. Because that's where the greater connection lies. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Ginger C. Russ M. And we had a little change. Crystal P. will follow Russ M. Go ahead, Russ. Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. Um, Russ Emery, Cover Compulsive Reader from Pennsylvania. So we're on the cusp here. I'm on the cusp when I read this to, uh, you know, a great life, right? A great life. I surrender to God and everything is rosy. That's that's not how it is for me. They didn't work out that way for me. You know, the depth of my surrender, the depth of my serenity is predicated on how I'm working, you know, 3 through 12, 4 through 12. And when I don't want to pick up the phone or I don't want to do my review or I don't want to have any outreach or I don't want you to, I don't want to dig in a big book. I don't want to fill my mind. I don't want to pray. You know, that's part of the surrender for me. And I'm just a human being and <laughs> I mess a lot of things up. Right. But the reason why I say this is because I surrendered ample times in my life and did no work. So, that's what I wanted to get across. That's what came up to me. 
It's like, yes, the, the new and triumphant arch. You know, we're going to be on a great footing. But for me, that's predicated on living this program. Not just saying a prayer, not saying I surrender, and because I messed that up a lot of times. So I guess I'm speaking for myself here. I had to hear it. Um, thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thanks, Russ M. Crystal P is going to close us out if she takes the three minutes. Go ahead, Crystal P. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Toronto, Canada. Um, this paragraph describes really the last uh, last week of my life. Um, after three years in recovery, um, you know, all I really wanted when I lost the weight was to was to meet a man and be in a relationship. That's really all I ever wanted. And it really shocked me when that didn't happen the moment I walked into program and lost the weight. And after three years of being in recovery, I I met someone and we started dating and um, and I started powering through that relationship because I became the employer. I became the master, the principal, the everything. Everyone else, my sponsor, my God was gonna was gonna ruin it. They were gonna take it away from me. And so I started to control everything. And that is an exhausting, exhausting way to live life, especially without the food. Without the food, it's just not even possible to live like that. And after about two and a half months of doing that, I completely exhausted myself. And that was the point at which I was willing to take this position sincerely. Sincerely, on Tuesday last week, I called my sponsor um, just in tears, being like, you know what, I, I messed this up. I messed it up. I'm sorry. I was, I was hiding things from you. I was doing that thing where I only, you know, you call fellows for 10 steps who agree with you or anybody who's not excited about this as I am, they don't get my 10-step calls anymore. Um, I started to do all of those kinds of things, you know, and I called my sponsor. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Please, please help me. I want God to be back in the center of my life again because I can't do this. Um, and if you say to me today, you need to leave this man, I'm, I'm ready and willing to do that. It was that sincere position of, of saying I'm done and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And the moment I did that, remarkable things happened. First of all, my sponsor didn't tell me to break up with him. Um, I was so sure she was going to. Um, I was so sure that was the next step. But usually the thing in my head is not what's going to happen when I, when I surrender. It was just, okay, now let's just face this relationship with God at the actual center. That's all that's going to happen. And it's not easy to take that position because I convinced myself of, you know, all the possible outcomes. But the moment I let go of the outcome and I turn it over to somebody other than me, it always gets better because the plans I have in my head are usually more like nightmares and reality is never as bad as what is actually, uh, what's in my head. And the moment I took that position, that was the first day in two and a half months where I could breathe, where I actually had peace, where my head didn't feel like a washing machine of ideas and thoughts and fears. And I could just exist for that day and be for that day. Um, and it's not easy because, you know, there's discomfort and it's, it's difficult to live in that kind of surrender because I don't know how. And I'm learning every day in this program how to live in surrender and not be afraid of God. Um, but it is so much better than controlling. And I know that over time it will get better and I will turn those things over to God faster and easier because honestly my pain tolerance goes down. I can't, I can't take living like that for very long. Uh, and I'm very, very grateful to have taken that position for today. Thanks for letting me share iPod. 
Thank you, Crystal P. Okay, wait a minute. I'm on the wrong page here. Um, oh, no, I'm not. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, June 8, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 17,101. That's 17101. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.